to River Church this evening in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, be sure and go to our website, riverchurchalabama.org, and see what we're doing. Hallelujah. We want to minister tonight on healing. Would that be all right with the saints? We said Sunday that we'll always, you'll, you'll not be so full of faith that you'll say, I, I don't need to know about healing. That, that very virtue right there will guarantee you you'll need healing. So we're not afraid. No plague comes near our dwelling, but we just stay strong. Uh, President Reagan used to say, uh, 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 peace through strength. And I like that for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Peace through strength. So uh, it says in Joshua, only be strong and of good courage. Today's the day to be courageous. Today's the day to uh, step out and do what you've been called to do for this hour. Amazing opportunities are coming. Amazing. The Word says where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. So uh, we're on the grace side. Sin's abounding everywhere, but where that pours out, He's pouring out into us. And it's just amazing. Also, I want you to remember that it's, uh, he's not looking for some Oral Roberts and some Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copelands to do something great in. He's looking for you and me. That's where we are. All those people were you and me, and they just believed God. Nobody has a story. Nobody has a shortcut that they got to be spiritual without going through the valley of the shadow of death. Where that we've all got a story <laughs> That we that put us over that uh, that place. If you would turn in your Bible with me to the book of First Peter, we want to minister on healing tonight and talk about the price of healing. What price to be healed is what I titled this. First Peter, second First uh, Peter two twenty four. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, praise God, Hallelujah. Healing in this house. Healing in this house. We read the stories of John G. Lake and how the, the, the plague was in his hand and died and they verified it. Uh, that's, that's not to, to condemn us and say, well, that's a better day than we're having. That's to inspire you and to put a pattern in front of you and say where the Lord says, go and do likewise. So that's what we're doing. We're getting ready. We're qualifying for the works and the greater works that we shall do because He went to the Father. Amen. First Peter 2.24 says, Who His own self, speaking of the Lord Jesus, Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. Why? That we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. I want to read it in the Amplified. Uh, I just wrote it down. I didn't bring a Bible up here. It says, He personally bore our sin in His own body on the tree as on an altar and offered Himself on it that we might die, cease to exist, to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Now, this is the covenant benchmark for healing in our lives. This is the covenant mandate. There's a substitution here. 
for our healing that's clearly laid out, Jesus became what we needed so we could become what he already was. The scripture for finances is in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, where it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. A substitution. He gave himself totally for us so that we could then imbibe totally with him. So uh, we said Sunday that healing is not arbitrary. You never know what the Lord's going to do. <laughs> or God's in control. All that mess, all that stuff, it's just not true. And that's what we're speaking of tonight. Is that healing is not arbitrary and it's not conditional. Not conditional. Have you been bad? Well, I go to the back of the line. No, that's not our Jesus. We said Sunday it's the law. It's the law. It doesn't if you if you drive too fast and they they have the highway patrol behind the billboard. It doesn't matter if you're the well it might matter if you're the vice president, but uh, it really doesn't matter if you're poor or rich or famous or whatever. The law says we're going to shut you down if we catch you speeding or doing any number of things. The law is for everybody. It's the law of the covenant. Healing is the law of the covenant. Healing is the law of the covenant. It is written, it's the law. There is no opinion, there's no personality, there's no uh, judging on heaven's side about healing in our bodies and our well-being, including our souls. It's the covenant. And you weren't there when it was made, so you don't have to be there for it to be broke. It's not going to break. The devil's tried to get us to accept a lesser. Healing is the law of the blessing. You can't say God blesses if he doesn't guarantee heal, healing. Who can say, oh, God's a blesser, God's blessed me, except, and start rattling off things that are contrary to the blessing. And healing is the law of faith. It works every time. If you'll engage faith in, in the covenant, in the law, in the word, if you'll engage faith, it'll never fail. It'll never fail. So we could say that a failure to get healed or a failure to walk in healing, there's a number of reasons, but we know these three reasons are the way to walk in it. You could say someone was ignorant. You could say someone was not in faith. You could say someone lived by the traditions. The Lord Jesus said there's just one thing stronger than the Word, and it's the traditions of men. So healing, we said, was more than just a blessing from heaven to man. Just be healed, be blessed. Had a boy, had a girl. Yeah, you know. It's, uh, it's our right. It's our right. It's the law. And so he's very generous by healing us, but the truth is, his generosity was dispensed 2,000 years ago. And so, yes, it is a mercy, and yes, it is a blessing, but that's not why we get healed. We get healed because it's the law, and Jesus is the arbiter or the judge of the law. And he gave his whole so that we could have his whole. If he held back, then we could say, it's hit and miss, it's conditional. 
but he did not hold back. He said it was finished. So it's the law. It's enforced by the Word. It's enforced by the Word. It's not enforced by his feeling good, feeling a little rough, feeling discouraged, heaven's a little discouraged about what China or Russia or North Korea is doing or, or whatever, atheists in America, uh, sleepy Christians in churches, and it doesn't bother him a bit. It shouldn't bother you. I said it shouldn't bother us. Hallelujah. So, uh, Jesus obtained healing for us lawfully. Would you say that word with me? Lawfully. The word says in John 10.10 10, that anybody that goes over the door or around the door is a thief. But Jesus went through the door. He is the door. And he obtained healing for us lawfully. So there's, for you to be an exception, you have to be one willfully. You have to will yourself to, be, uh, uh, to not partake of healing in your body. So I wrote down here, Sickness is not a sickness issue. It's not. And that's one reason I think, I believe, that the church has failed to walk in health and wholeness. It's because the spirit-filled church or the faith church, the ones that are even wanting to, think it's a healing issue. So, people that believe in healing... What do you have them confessing? What do you have them studying? You have them studying healing. When in fact, they already believe it's God's will to heal. You believe it's God's will. Amen. Couldn't tie you to a fence post and whip you till you were senseless and make you say healing's passed away. It's the time of miracles. It's not in here anyway. But that's what we all focus on is on healing. As if that was the problem. You know, if you solve a problem that's not a problem, then you still have a problem. And that's what I think we've done. I believe healing, the issue of healing, is condemnation of sin. So it's not what heaven gave. It's what I'm qualified in my own heart to receive. I believe what he gave was sure. And it was just. And it was without uh, arbitration. It was totally on my side, on your side, on our side. Totally and freely given. But if you put your hand over the mason jar as you're pouring water into it, you'll find that it'll never get full. And if we put our lives over the spout of healing by saying I'm condemned, not consciously, nobody's walking around saying I just can't receive it because I've been bad. We've all said we're bad. And uh, it, w it wasn't true. It wasn't what we want. So here's my question. I wrote down this. I write down a few things here. Keep me straight. Mostly to keep me straight. I said, can you be as free of sin as the word says, as the word says Jesus made you? Can you be as free of sin as the word says Jesus has made you? And we'd all hold up our hand and say, yea, verily. And it's true. But we have to live through every moment of every day. And so we have times where we're in the Word, we're in prayer, we're with the saints that are pressing and encouraging us, and we feel like a million dollars, and we stick that healing. We, we nail it. We get hands laid on us, and we nail it. 
but there's 24 hours in a day and you can't be with that kind of encouragement or that kind of mental state all the time. So if you ever get alone, the devil, who's a 24-hour devil, he might attempt to influence us. And he won't say to you and me, he will to many, but he won't say to you and me, healing passed away. That dog won't hunt. But what he will whisper to you is very personal and very secret. He'll start talking about your secrets and your life that you know are true. And it's not like I didn't murder both of them. It's, it's not like that sort of thing. It's the most subtle and smallest things that we will yield to to be disqualified. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 6, please? Romans chapter 6. I'm not going to keep you tonight on purpose. You just don't know how hard I try to get out of here. It's just some things aren't working for me as good as others. Mar uh, Romans chapter 6, look in verse 14. Let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Ready, read. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Okay, let's read it again in first person. For sin shall not have dominion over me, for I am not under the law, but under grace. So why is that in Scripture? Why, why is he talking about sin shall not have dominion over you? It must be something that tries to come over us. It must be something that tries to master us. The... Uh, Today's English says, sin must not be your master. Now, we're not talking about reckless people that are working on the sly and have a little second thing going on. We're talking about the most innocent of things that we fail in, in thought. You know, the Lord Jesus said, if you thought it, you've as well as done it. Things like that, we could be condemned. The message translation says, sin can't tell you how to live. Let's first person that. Sin can't tell me how to live. So, we know we're going to slip up. We don't want to. We're against it. There's forgiveness for it. Restoration is total. But in that place, that lapse between when we miss the mark, that's what sin means, to miss the mark, and when we come to an absolution where we confess our sin, and let him be faithful and just to forgive us, then there's condemnation in there. Everybody in here's had condemnation. You, you, no matter what, you would shake your head one way or the other. We've all been condemned. And the devil's helped us, but we don't need a lot of help sometimes. The passion says, remember this, sin shall not conquer you, for God already has. Sounds just like the passion, doesn't it? Sin shall not conquer you. For God already has. And so, it's, it's in the fact of this law, 1 Peter 2.24, that right there is all we need to know to live above sickness, disease, pain, and accidents. Now, you can know more, so you can chink in from every angle, but the truth is that scripture completely solves the sickness problem. We just, you know, we're here in Romans, and that, that, that helps. But we'll see in that other that it, uh, it's there. Verse 24 of that 1 Peter 2, 24, the Amplified says, He personally bore our sin 
in his own body on the tree as on an altar, he offered himself on it. So he sacrificed for us. And if we took this verse in verse uh, uh, 14, what if we changed one of the words in there like we did Sunday in verse 14? What if we read it, For sickness shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. Would y'all be happy with that? Would y'all say that's a synonym, sin and sickness? Of course, then we'd have to go to poverty and lack too, but we won't go there tonight. For sickness shall not have dominion over you. So we, I'm not going to talk about whether sickness is a sin, but certainly it weakens our resolve to live above because sickness is a form of guilt. For us, anyway, because we are wanting to get out of it. Don't you know you ever get caught in a situation that you know is not pleasing to God, and we all have, we want to get out of it. And so that makes sickness then the same thing. We want to get out of it, so it must be something that's not pleasing. There's no condemnation. But still, we ought to not just say it's okay with God to be poor, it's okay with God for us to be sick. When He covenanted with us by the Lord Jesus in the same dimension and the same measure as He gave Himself for our sin. Amen? We're just, we're just laying it on the table. So we'll know what we're living above. And we are living above that. Um, the Amplified said he, that he, uh, that we might die, cease to exist to sin. That's what the Amplified says. We're going through that verse right here. That we might die. Uh, let me read it here. He personally bore our sin in his own body on the tree. That we might die, cease to exist to sin. So we could say that sickness. We could. He died on the cross for sickness. So he, he's worthy. If we went to the next part of the verse, it says uh, he personally, in the Amplified, it says he personally bore our sin. Could we say that he personally bore our sickness? We're not trying, we're not trying to leap here. We got, we got a gazillion scriptures. It's not like we're trying to make a doctrine out of this one verse. But this one verse is able to codify everything that we believe all over the Word and say it in one simple fact. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 16, please. Leviticus. Now, when's the last time you've been to Leviticus 16? We've got to get you out more. But here's a verse in chapter 16 that talks about the type and the shadow for healing for sin and for sickness. It says in chapter 16 of Leviticus, verse 5, it says, of, of the priest, are you all there? And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And verse 7, And he shall take two goats, the two goats, and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So you got that? He's got two goats, two kid goats, and he's brought them in front of the tabernacle door. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. He's the high priest. One for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell, 
and offer him for a sin offering. He should have prayed. That goat should have prayed. <laughs> he got offered. He's gone. But look in verse 10. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive unto the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat in the wilderness. So they took two creatures because they were representing Jesus and they, they represented the sin, the atonement for sin that had to be offered for sin. But what, do you, what, was the, what did with the sin? What was the sin? Well, they, they apportioned the, the shadow of that was that the other goat carried the sin out into the wilderness and never returned. He'd be torn by wild animals or whatever. So these two goats are a type of Jesus. But the point here being is that the goat bore the sin away. He buried away. And we know in the, uh, it says, he, he personally bore our sin in his own body on the tree. That's where that comes from. It's, he took it away. So the point being, if he took it away, it's not here. He took it away. He bare it away. It left. He dealt with it. It is gone. It is not here. It is not a part of the camp or the congregation of the tabernacle. It is gone. And we dealt with the, the sin that was present by sacrificing that goat. But the other goat took, it was symbolic, took the sin, took the sickness out of the camp. And it was dealt with. And they knew it. They had one year uh, to, 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 to do that. So back to verse 24, that we might die to sin. That the word says there, um, that we might die, and Amplified says, cease to exist, to sin. And so uh, that word die does mean cease to exist, but it also means to be dead. So we become dead to sin. Jesus took... Like the goat, he took the sin away. He took the sickness away. He took it away that we might die to sin, cease to exist. It means to become unresponsive. That's what we would say to someone that was in a coma or that was uh, in an accident and was uh, knocked out. They might be pulsing, but we would say they're unresponsive. It means to be moved to another realm. How about that? So we, we, are, we are moved to another realm from sickness and sin. We're, you know, we're just making a legal case here for what really happened because feelings will never tell you or line up or affirm what really happened. You'll feel sick as a dog and you'll say it's here. When the Word says He bore it away, He took it away. Now we always go back to the story of, uh, of a green leafy tree in your backyard and you getting your Ace Hardware chainsaw out and uh, looking over there and seeing where the space is in the fence between the two posts and cutting that puppy down. And it falls over and you can see it is severed. It is cut off from its life. It is dead. But the leaf, the, excuse me, the tree feigns the death that's happened. It still looks alive. If it had fruit on it, you can go out there and pick it off every day for a week or, or longer, and it'll be just as sweet as when you were hanging it over your head. 
but it's dead. And it will catch up to it, won't it? It will reveal itself. Adam was one that uh, the Spirit left him. He became dead to uh, the Spirit of grace. And, uh, but yet he didn't die for 900 years or 600 years. Long time, whatever it was. Because the residue of the anointing stayed in him. That's what's happened in America. I talked about it the other day. That's, that residue of righteousness is still here. But you can tell they're chipping away at it. They're working against our nation, and that, uh, that was there. So that we might die to sin, and then it says, and live to righteousness. So it's not enough to just to have your sins forgiven, your sickness forgiven, because the next day you'll get up and you'll do it again. Think about that. If you get your sins forgiven today, it doesn't go into perpetuity. They just get forgiven today. But so we have to be cleansed from all unrighteousness and we have to live to righteousness. So uh, Matthew 6.33 says that uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness and his righteousness and all these things and his righteousness. It's translated by some that that word righteousness there is God's system of doing business. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness his system of doing business. So if we say here, if we look here in 1 Peter, it says that we die to sin and live under righteousness. What does righteousness look like? What does righteousness have in it? It has life. I have come that you might have life. He's righteous. And he also, uh, uh, righteousness would have no death. He came... And he was on the cross. Well, who else was on the cross that morning? We were. Say, I was. was. That's the truth. You were on that cross. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. It means he became our sin. But we were on there. And that's why we were resurrected with him on the third day. Because we were in him on that hour and in that day. Um... And that word, I looked it up, it's kind of a funny word, and live to righteousness. The word live there is not the word zoe, but it's got zoe in it. It's zoe kamumbadati or something. You know, I don't know what the word was, but it had zoe in it. And I'm not Greek, but I said, you know, that means to live unto righteousness. means to live with the life of God. Uh, Then it says, lastly, by his stripes... You were healed by his stripes. I looked it up and that's what it means. Some translations say by his wounds, you were healed. But what's interesting is that uh, the word healed there by his stripes, ye were healed is the word made whole. We were made whole. So we just didn't put a bandaid on us and say, you need to, you're going to be gimpy for the rest of your life, or you're going to have a high level of this or a low level of that. It's going to hurt at night. That's not made whole. That's just stopping it. We, we know the, the ten lepers that Jesus healed, that, uh, that he, he healed all ten of them, but only one came back and praised him and thanked him for it. And the word tells us that that man was not only healed, the nine that went to the priest still looked like lepers, but they were cured of leprosy. But the man that came back to Jesus was made whole. All vestiges of leprosy were taken away from him, and he was restored whole. That's the kind of healing we go for. Now, don't misunderstand. People say, I've prayed, 
uh, we've all prayed that in, in our past, that God would just use the wisdom in the doctor to in effect the best cure that was possible. And, uh, and it gives comfort to whoever you're praying for that his, his, uh, his gambling doctor, his drinking doctor, his uh, woman-chasing doctor, for some reason the power of God's going to come on them and, and uh, it's going to work out. And that is true. How many of y'all know? God helps us. When I had a procedure one time, I, the best doctor had a, had a non-Christian name, his given name and his surname. And I resisted and carried on, and, and uh, so I, I got me one that was named David or Robert or John or something, you know. And he so messed me up, I had to go back in and get the other guy who did a perfect procedure. <laughs> so we just call on God, and it really doesn't sometimes matter. Uh, who's working because we're not going to go to mosque with them or, or uh, to the Hindu temple or wherever they go if they go anywhere. So now let, let's just stretch just a little bit because Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So there's no condemnation. It doesn't matter where you land, what your process is, where your walk is right now, and you're walking into the things of God, but right there you're not. You, you know, uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge, the Word says. But we're, we're, we're getting a handle on this thing. So what if we were to say that because of the, 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 the unity of sin and sickness, that they are siblings, that they are out of the same womb, they're out of the the same uh, uh, hole of hell, as it were. Could you say that if someone was struggling with healing, that they also are struggling with the new birth? Based on, if you know who you are, there's no condemnation, then you can whip sickness. The only obstacle between us and being sick is really knowing who we are, what we have, and what we can do. It's not an issue of, read this verse, by his stripes you were healed, read it as fast as you can for 30 times, and then read it backwards, or something. You know, that's where we've all been. And for sure, to rehearse that is awesome. It's, we're not taken away from that, because there is an anointing on the healing scriptures. But when you're by yourself, and you, you know that he did, there's even a condemnation that says, I know what he did, but yet I am no better. And so that tends to bring condemnation. It's like everybody at church was testifying about how they got healed, but I hurt worse than ever. So we have to know who we are. Because we have to be able to, to go the distance. We have to outlast the symptoms or the lie. We have to, the trees on the ground, it's been cut off. We have to know that. If you only saw the, top, the picture of the top part of the tree and they turned it, you might not even know the tree was down. You might say, that tree is alive, but it wouldn't be true. When you saw the whole picture, you'd say, this thing is dead. So we have to, and we're going to talk about this, but our confession is, God loves me now. God loves me now, and I'm qualified to be healed right now. Every one of us has enough faith to be healed. It's the hesitancy, it's the drawback, 
It's the, the, uh, the whatever you call it that makes us not be able to follow through. It's not that it'll be forever that you have to outlast the symptoms, but certainly at first, at least, I have found the devil is very persistent because he knows he has to nail the first one and intimidate us after that. So, you know, I, I don't claim to know it all by any means, but I, I've seen it happen over and over that people that knew who they were in Jesus, people that had that sin shall not have dominion over me, also knew that sickness shall not have dominion over me. And that if sickness was something that they just said, well, you just never know what God's going to do, and he's teaching me a lesson, and what will be will be, and uh, God's in control, and all that garbage, that mess, that uh, y you cannot get healed with that going on in your life. There has to be some absolutes, just like there has to be some absolutes about sin. I wondered, now this is just me wondering, how many people... Brother, Brother Hagin said, you're just going to be surprised how many people are in heaven. You're going to be surprised at how many people are not in heaven. And you're going to be surprised if you're in heaven. <laughs> Some of them. So uh, why would we judge that? I'm not, but I want to help people get past it. So what, what tack do we take? What point of, of, uh, of uh, approach do we take? Get everybody to believe the covenant, that healing is in the covenant. We've been working for 25 years here in Tuscaloosa to put prosperity and supply in our covenant. We hammer it every Sunday in some facet, and then we preach on it, and we, we you know, and bless God, I'll tell you, it's worked. You, you might not can step back and see from now to 25 years ago, but I can. Because I know all of you, and I know, and I'm just amazed at how well the Lord has kept His Word once His people said, I'm in. So, so uh, get people to believe they're healed by the covenant, that it's real. But then, we work on who we are in Christ. God loves me right now, and I'm qualified for all of it. And there's just no hesitation. If you ever leave the door open a little bit and said, yeah, but except if you did that, in the last 90 days. I don't know what God will do. Well, you've just destroyed that person. And the devil's whispered that to all of us at one time or another. Amen? Amen. Well, y'all kind of sober tonight. I thought this would be one of them run around the room ones. <laughs> well, Joey's fixing to run around the room. If you need an envelope. Uh, thank you for tuning in this evening. We'll see you Sunday.